0: Amen. Good morning, brothers. It is so good to see you all today and to be here with you today. I'm so grateful to Dr. Felix just for the opportunity to be able to share with you this morning. Again, my name is Dr. Walter Augustine, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to share. Even though, as he said, the last time I spoke, COVID came soon after. And so I'm praying that this time when I speak, we don't have some other type of plague or something else that that comes our way today. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit for this next hour about fearing God in light of his wisdom. And in your notes, you will see um, that uh, there are some notes, some detailed notes there that you can go through. Uh, But as we get started here um, in our time together, I'd like to just real quickly open us up in a word of prayer, and then I I need y'all's help with something. So uh, let me start off just by praying for us and for our time, and and then I'd I'd just like to get your, your help with something briefly. So let's pray. So Father, we just come before you today just thankful and grateful for the opportunity to come together as men, as brothers in the Lord. Uh, learning more about what it means to fear God. And so, Lord, we pray even now as we continue in our time together, Father, after hearing uh, from Dr. Montoya kicking us off um, and learning what it means to fear God, Lord, we pray that you continue to position our hearts to receive what you would have us to learn, that you would prepare our hearts so that the word would land on good soil and would produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times over for your glory. So we lift this time up to you and pray that you will be glorified and your people will be edified. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, I, I said I need your help with something real quickly. I, 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 here, here's what I need your help with. I brought a couple of items. I brought a few items from home, and, and I need your help with identifying what these items are, okay? So, so here's, here's the first one. Let me, let me grab this first one. Can somebody tell me what this is? Speak out. Allergy medicine. Okay? Allergy medicine. All right. Good, good, good. All right, let me let me let me get a second item for you. Can somebody I know it's kind of far, kind of hard to see. Can somebody tell me what this is? What's that? See? Heater instructions. Heater instructions. Okay. All right. Let me get one more item for you just one one quick second. I found this line around uh can, can somebody tell me what this is? <laughs> <laughs> owner's manual owner's manual okay great so 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 let me ask you this we, we we've We've seen some allergy medication. We've seen some instructions for a heater. And we've seen an owner's manual. What do these three things have in common? Instructions. They're all instructions. Here's the point. And and you brothers hit it. I I knew y'all were good. I knew y'all would get this. Here's the point. Every single one of these things, whether we're talking about allergy medication, a heater, or a car owner's manual. Every one of those three things is meant to enhance our lives. Allergy medication is supposed to help us when we have sinus allergies. The heaters are supposed to warm us up when we get cold. And a car is supposed to help us with transportation and our families with transportation back and forth to the different places we need to go. But let me ask you this question. Have you ever known somebody who went ahead and they saw the allergy medication and they said, you know what, I'm not gonna read what's on the side. I'm not gonna read what's on the back. I'm just gonna go ahead and take what I feel like taking. Or do you know anybody who has ever gotten a heater and said, you know what, I'm not gonna read the instructions. I'm not gonna read the guides. But instead, I'm just gonna go ahead and use it the way I want for as long as I want. Or somebody maybe who got a car and said, you know, I don't know what all these blinking lights are on my dashboard, I don't know what's going on with the car, I don't know what's happening with the car, but I'm not gonna worry about the owner's manual, I'm just gonna go ahead and do with it what I want. Point being this, there are things in our lives that are meant to enhance our lives. But if we don't follow the instructions, that which is meant to enhance our lives can bring destruction to our lives. You take too much medication without looking at the instruction and you can end up causing damage to your body and to your health. That which was meant to help you ends up harming you. You go ahead and you use the heater in the wrong way or in the wrong place or for for too long and what happens, a fire can break out and you burn down your entire residence. Or if you pay no attention to the owner's manual when it tells you what to do with the blinking lights and everything else and the next thing you know, that which was supposed to transport you ends up breaking down on the side of the road and you end up needing to get help. Point being this, brothers, why should we fear God in light of his wisdom? The answer to that is that God's wisdom is our manual for life. God's wisdom is our instruction book for life. So for a little while here, we're going to camp out in Proverbs chapter 8. So I invite you to take your Bibles and go with me to Proverbs 8. Chapter eight. And when you get there, if you could say amen for me. In this section of Proverbs, as you're on your way there, this is a section that has been attributed to Solomon who Dr. Montoya mentioned before, and in this section, it is Solomon who is basically instructing a young man in the ways in which he should go, and he is instructing him to follow wisdom, to gain wisdom, to seek wisdom, and he contrasts this to seeking folly, and in the chapter before this, he talks about seeking after the adulteress instead of seeking after wisdom. And he essentially says in a chapter before this, if you seek after the adulteress, if you say, well, hey, I'm going to follow her. I'm going to do my own thing and follow her. He says it might sound good at first, but eventually you end up worn out and broke down. But now he gets to chapter seven and, and, and he talks about wisdom and the benefits of wisdom. And essentially, as he's talking about the benefits of wisdom, he's saying, look, wisdom becomes your manual for life. And there are the benefits that come with following wisdom in life. Let's let's start with this first part here. Here's one of the key benefits, he says, in terms of the benefits of wisdom for life. First of all, he says that wisdom is available to everybody. It's available to everybody. If you look down with me at verse 3 in chapter 8, he says, Beside the gates and at the opening to the city, at the entrance of the door, she cries out. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. And then verse five, O naive ones, understand prudence, and O fools, understand wisdom. Wisdom's available to everybody. Young, old, rich, poor. Wisdom is even available to those who don't have it. It's available to those who are foolish, and to those who are naive. I I see as I look in this room, we've got some young men and we've got some old men. Well, guess what? Wisdom is available to all of you. And wisdom doesn't hide. It says wisdom standing at the gates. The gates are where business is transacted within the city in the Old Testament. it's, It's out there for everybody to see and to grasp. Wisdom is available to all who want wisdom. But at the same time that it's available to all, wisdom also leads those who follow it on the right moral path. You see, wisdom is not by itself, but what wisdom does is it's tied in with morality. Wisdom specifically is tied in with righteousness. Wisdom leads us to do that which is right. If you go down and continue in this passage, looking at verse six, it says, listen, for I will speak noble things and the opening of my lips will reveal right things for my mouth will utter truth and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Brothers, wisdom is not neutral wisdom is not something that just sort of plays down the middle of the road. No, wisdom says I am on the side of righteousness and truth. And so if you seek me, you end up on the side of righteousness. You end up on the side of truth. Wisdom and morality go together. And the result of wisdom is that it leads us to righteousness. Or in other words, when we talk about righteousness here, that term specifically means doing what is right. Doing what is right, not only in our own personal lives, but doing what is right in our interactions with one another. So, brothers, if, if you're struggling with, hey, why, why my relationships? You know, why, why am I struggling in my relationships or, or why am I struggling in terms of how I interact with others? Well, wisdom says, if you follow me, then it's going to lead you to right relationship. It's going to lead you to doing what is right, not only for yourself, but in your relationships with one another. And so, as we look at this, essentially what we see, especially in, in verse seven, we, we see basically this, this picture of two paths. And essentially, this, this path that we have goes two different ways and it says you can either follow wisdom, which leads to righteousness, or you can follow what it calls in other places foolishness, which leads to wickedness an abomination. So wisdom, the benefits of wisdom for life is that, number one, wisdom's available to all, anybody, young, old, naive, knowledgeable, it doesn't matter. It's available to everybody. But then secondly, it, it leads those who follow it on the right moral path. But the benefits of wisdom don't stop there. It's available to all. It leads those who follow it on the right moral path. But here's a third piece of wisdom, and this is something that Dr. Montoya was talking about a little bit before. One of the other benefits of wisdom for life is that wisdom allows us to lead well. Wisdom allows us to lead well. Look with me down at verse 14. Let's Skip down to verse 14. And by the way, as we're going through this, I just want to say, as we're going through this passage, you'll hear this in a first person uh, sort of perspective. And that's because essentially uh, here Solomon is, is doing sort of a metaphor of wisdom personified, saying if wisdom was a person, this is what wisdom would say. So it goes on and it says down at verse 14, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding Power is mine. And then he says, By me, kings reign, and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule, and nobles, all who judge rightly. You see, wisdom allows us to lead well, whether we're talking about a household whether you're talking about a school such as LABTS, whether you're talking about leading on your job, whether you're talking about leading in your church, or whether you're even talking about leading yourself. Wisdom allows us to lead well. Just want to remind you, these Proverbs that we're reading, these are the words of Solomon. And if any of you are familiar with the story of Solomon, Solomon was the son of David. And after David passed away, and you can find this in first Kings three, as well as second Chronicles one, after David passed away, the Lord came to Solomon and the Lord said to Solomon, he said, Solomon, he said, you're going to be the new ruler. But he said, in light of just the faithfulness of your father, David, he said, I am going to grant you whatever you wish. And Solomon's response was an amazing response because Solomon said this to the Lord. Solomon said, Lord, I'm not going to ask for riches. I'm not going to ask for power. I'm not going to ask for glory. But instead, Solomon said, Lord, give me wisdom. And he said, the reason why I'm asking for wisdom is because I need your wisdom in order to rule your people well. Wisdom, brothers, allows us to lead well. Wisdom is the thing that allows us to govern wisely. Wisdom is the thing that allows us You see in in these verses here, looking down at verse 16, and uh, both verse 15 and verse 16, you see in verse 15, decree justice, and in verse 16, judge rightly. Wisdom allows us to have the discernment to know what is right and what is wrong, and to judge well in different situations and circumstances. You know, it was interesting. Dr. Montoya talked a little bit earlier about this passage, the passage in Ephesians five, right? About wives submit to your husbands and, and, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I'll never forget, I was in seminary and I got married in the midst, in the middle of seminary. And I got to tell you, I don't, I don't know about you brothers, but I married way over my head and way over my station, right? Uh, my, my wife, I mean, in addition to being beautiful, she's brilliant, OK, she she has her own doctorate as well. And so uh, we are Dr. and Dr. Augustine. And when I asked her what her dissertation topic was on after about the second word, I lost track of what it was that she was talking about. I had no idea what she was talking about. But, but, but I bring this up because we got married in the middle of seminary. And I still remember one of the brothers coming to me and saying to me, he asked me this question. He said, how did you get her to submit to you? Because she's out of your league. She's so much smarter than you. She's so much better. How would you get her to submit to you? And I I remember I went back and I mentioned it to her and, and she started laughing. And she said, look, she said, it's simple. She said, because of the way that you treat me and you interact with me and you lead me and you guide me, she said, it's my pleasure to submit to you. I'm happy to submit to you because she said, I know that when I submit to you, you're going to lead me in the right way. You're going to lead me in the places I need to go. So here, Solomon is telling us that wisdom is a benefit for life because wisdom will allow us to lead well. Whether it's our own families whether it's in our workplace, our schools, or wherever it may be, it'll allow us to lead well. But let me get to one more benefit of wisdom as we look at this. We've talked about the fact that wisdom is available to all. We've talked about the fact that wisdom leads those who follow it on the right moral path. And we've talked about the fact that wisdom allows us to lead well. But there's one more benefit in this passage of wisdom, and that is this. Wisdom provides for those who follow it. Wisdom provides for those who follow it. Take a look with me down at verse 18. Once again, this is wisdom speaking, wisdom personified, and wisdom says riches and honor are with me. Enduring wealth and righteousness. And then it goes on and says, My fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield better than choicest silver. I walk in the way of righteousness and in the midst of the paths of justice to endow those who love me with wealth that I may fill their treasuries. A couple of things for us to note here. Number one, wisdom provides for those who follow it. Wisdom says, for for those who love me, I endow them with wealth. I endow them with riches. And this is not just any wealth. This is not just lottery wealth. This is not just one-time wealth. It says wealth that endures. If you follow wisdom, if you follow the Lord's wisdom and fear the Lord's wisdom, he says, look, I will provide. I will provide for you. But here's another thing that's interesting, though, because as it talks about wisdom providing, wisdom ties in provision with morality. Provision with character. Wisdom says in verse 18, riches and honor right? Wealth and righteousness. The two go hand in hand. When we follow wisdom, wisdom provides for us, but it provides not just wealth, but also honor. Let me ask you this, brothers. What good is wealth when your name is no good? What good is wealth when your reputation is shot? and doesn't mean anything. I know our society values wealth above everything else, but but here we see that wisdom is saying, when, I, when you follow me, and when you fear the Lord, and you fear the Lord in light of his wisdom, and follow wisdom, he says, look, not only will I give you your provision, what you need, but he said, I'll also give you a good name. I'll also make sure that you have honor. And not only that, he said, not only will you have a good name, but he said, you'll also have Righteousness. Let let, let me put it to you a different way, brothers. What good is wealth if you got it the wrong way? What good is wealth if if you got it in an illegal or underhanded way? What good is wealth when you have to look over your shoulder wondering if you can hold on to it or wondering if because of the ways in which you got it somebody's going to be coming after you to get your wealth? Wisdom says, if you follow me, then you will have not only wealth, but righteousness and honor, good reputation, right actions. And let me ask one third question for it to you, brothers, about this point. This remember I said this thing of righteousness is right actions and right relationships. I asked you the question: what good is wealth if your reputation is gone? I ask you the question, what good is wealth if you have to look over your shoulder because of how you got it? Now, here's the third question. What good is wealth if you don't use it the right way? What good is wealth if you gain it, but you don't use it in the way that God wants you to use it? Investing it in his kingdom, investing it in helping others, investing it in your church, investing it in the places that God has given us to invest his goods. Keep in mind, these aren't our goods. These are God's goods. And so God has instructions for us about how we should utilize that which God gives us. So as we think about this, remember that wisdom here it says in verse 19, My fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield better than choicest silver. Brother, provision is good. Wealth is good. But wisdom is better. Let me put it to you a different way. I, I love questions, so, so let me put it to you a different way. Would you rather have the goods or the source of the goods? The source, right? You remember that story about the, uh, I think it was uh, the, the swan that, that laid the golden eggs? Would you rather have the golden eggs or the swan? The swan. And so here, wealth of wisdom is saying, look, I'm better than wealth. My fruit is better than gold. And my yield is even better than silver. In other words, wisdom is more valuable than wealth because the reward of wisdom is not just wealth, but it's also honor, righteousness, and justice. You end up getting it the right way because of wisdom. You end up managing your wealth the right way because of wisdom and you end up sharing your wealth the right way because of wisdom. And so when we follow wisdom, it provides for us in a way that allows us to operate in honor and integrity, thus maintaining our good name in society. You know, there's this uh, one figure, this one brother in scripture that you may have heard of him before. I'm not sure. Uh, It's this gentleman by the name of Boaz. Anybody ever heard of Boaz? All right. In the book of Ruth, there's the story of Ruth, who was from Moab, a Moabite,s and she married into an Israelite family. And Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi had moved to Moab, and Ruth and her other um, uh, uh, her husband and, and, and Naomi's other family was there. But then all of the men in the family died. All of Naomi's sons passed away. And so Naomi and Ruth end up going back to Israel. Naomi said to Ruth, Ruth, you don't need to come back with me. Stay where you are. And Ruth said, no. She said, where you go, I go. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. So she goes back to Israel, to Naomi's hometown. And Naomi basically says, well, look, we got to eat. And Ruth said, you know, Naomi, you are too old to go out and try to work. So let me go and do some work. And she happens to come across the fields of a man named Boaz. Boaz was wealthy. He was rich. But he also had honor and integrity. And so Boaz made sure he had gotten his wealth the right way but he also made sure that he managed it the right way. And so when Ruth went out, Boaz had told his people who worked in the fields, he said, look, you you see this corner of the field over here? You see this area? He said, look, don't don't maximize the profit. Don't maximize all your profit potential, but instead leave this over here so that those who are in need can come and can glean for themselves. Go ahead and, and leave a portion Um, unharvested so that those who are poor, those who are needy can come along and they can gain some of the harvest for themselves. And Ruth was one of those folks who went out into the field and was able to glean and gain for herself. Boaz was a man who had wisdom and as a result, he had wealth along with integrity and honor. And so eventually, if you note the story and if you read the story, you know that Boaz ends up marrying Ruth. But because he was a man of honor and integrity, uh, Boaz realized that there was another re- relative of Naomi that was closer in relationship to Naomi and in, in sort of the line of succession. And so he made sure he went in front of the whole city and he conducted business with this relative to say, look, you can get Naomi's property, but you have to take Naomi's daughter-in-law as well. And that man said, no, I, I, I like the property, but I don't want the daughter-in-law. Do go ahead and do it. Well, Ruth and Boaz end up getting married. And a few generations later, a child is born and his name is David. Boaz is an example for us of what it means to follow wisdom and how when you follow wisdom, it provides for us. It provides not only wealth that endures, but also honor and integrity. So these are some of the benefits of wisdom for life, for following wisdom's playbook, following wisdom's manual for life. Wisdom's available to all of us. Wisdom leads leads us on the right moral path. Wisdom allows us to lead well, to lead in a way, by the way, that has an impact greater than ourselves. And wisdom provides for those of us who follow it. Provides for our needs, provides for our, our, what we have in terms of physical needs, but also with integrity and with honor. But, brother, I want to I want to stop here for a second because all this stuff sounds good. All this stuff is nice, but I have to raise a question that is, I think, a real question for us in life. And that is this. Let's say you follow wisdom's playbook. Let's say that you use God's wisdom as your manual for life. Let's say you do everything that you're supposed to do. And calamity still comes on you. Let's say that you operate in integrity and in honor. Let's say that you you try to pursue justice. That you, you try to live under righteousness. And yet you still have major problems and issues that come up in your life. Does this mean that we shouldn't follow wisdom? Does this mean that God's wisdom should not be feared? You know, this was the description of what I'm giving you now may be true of some of your lives at different points in your lives, And it was definitely true of another gentleman in the Old Testament. This gentleman's name was Job. Some of y'all may have heard of him. Job was a man who operated out of wisdom. When you read the book of Job, it talks about Job's righteousness and how Job, you know, he lived according to God's word. He feared the Lord and he feared the Lord in light of his wisdom and he lived in light of God's wisdom. Job, as a matter of fact, he was somebody who operated out of honor, out of integrity. He was wealthy, but he managed it well. He even would go and would offer up Um, sacrificial offerings and prayers for sins, not only of himself, but also of his family, not only for the sins that he knew he had done, but for those that he and his family may have done that they didn't even realize they had done. Saying, perhaps myself or one of my children may have done something wrong against God. And so we need to offer up an offering. Job was somebody who followed wisdom's playbook and yet still calamity came upon his family, his wealth gone, his children gone, his health gone. And so the question that we need to wrestle with, even as we're looking at the benefits of wisdom for life, is even if we follow wisdom's playbook, the fact that calamity can still come upon us even though we do this, does that mean we should not follow God and fear God and God's wisdom? Well, I have some good news for y'all. And it comes in the rest of this passage. God's wisdom is not only beneficial for life, but God's wisdom is important for our lives. and there are two main reasons. First, God's wisdom existed before life. Should we follow wisdom? Well God's wisdom existed before life. Look with me down in the same passage at verse 22. Wisdom is still speaking and wisdom says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his works of old. From everlasting, I was established. From the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth. And then look at verse 24. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. And when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled and before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world. See, God's wisdom is important because God's wisdom pre-exists life. Before the world was created, before God created the heavens and the earth, God's wisdom already existed. God had already brought forth wisdom, he says, even from the earliest times. Now, you might say to yourself, why is that important? Why is it important that God's wisdom existed before life? Well, glad y'all asked that question. Y'all have some good questions in this room. So we're going to talk about that here because that sets us up for this next section. You see, God's wisdom existed before life. But here's the next piece, which is important. Not only did God's wisdom exist before life, but God used wisdom to create life. God used wisdom to create life. Look at verse 27. When he established the heavens, I was there when he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep and when he made firm the skies above and when the springs of the deep became fixed, he said, when he set for the sea its boundary so that the water would not transgress his command and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him. You see, God not only had wisdom before life, but God used wisdom to create life. What you're seeing here is a little bit more of an unfolding of Genesis 1. Because if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 1, it tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. You see, in that time, in the beginning, wisdom was already there and God used God's wisdom to create the heavens and the earth. In other words, God used God's wisdom to create life, to create life. Now, it's interesting because some scholars look at this passage and they say, well, you know, we don't know if, if Solomon here is truly saying that God used wisdom to create life or if, if basically Solomon is saying that, that wisdom was there when life was created. Well, I want to go ahead and, and, and take away any doubt about whether or not God used wisdom to create life. Go back with me to Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter three, and this is still Solomon speaking. In Proverbs chapter 3 at verse 19, Solomon says this. He says, the Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. And by understanding, he established the heavens. And then verse 20, by his knowledge, the deeps were broken up. And the skies drip with dew. So without a doubt, Solomon says, God used wisdom to create life. Wisdom existed before life. And God used wisdom to create life. Now, at this point, y'all might be saying to yourself, well, that's all nice and good. You know, that's a nice thing to know in terms of Scripture and the Bible. a Nice academic thing. But what does that have to do with our lives in terms of when we're going through calamity and when we're going through hard times and when things are coming on us, even though we're trying to do the right thing? Well, again, I'm glad y'all asked because y'all asked some really good questions. This is where it gets really good. Because you see, God not only... Use wisdom to create life. But God's wisdom demonstrates God's sovereignty over life. God's wisdom demonstrates God's reign and God's rule over life. Why why is this so important? Well, jump back with me to Proverbs 8. And I want you to jump down to verse 29. Verse 29, this is, this is picturing creation again. This is taking us back to Genesis 1. But in verse 29, it's unfolding this. And notice that it says, when he set for the sea its boundary so that the water would not transgress his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master workman. Do y'all see that? God didn't just create life, but because of God's sovereignty, because God is God, because God rules and God reigns, God said to life, no further. God created the waters and the springs and the sea, and then he said to the sea, you stop here. And it stopped. God said to the mountains, you stop here, and it stopped. Point being this, God uses his wisdom as the manual and the playbook for showing his sovereignty over life. God puts boundaries on life. Why is that important? Let's take a quick look at Job. If you go with me to the book of Job, chapter 38. Job, chapter 38, looking at verse 4. And again, we talked about how Job, how even though he had followed wisdom's playbook, calamity still came upon him and he lost everything. And if you remember, Job had these friends and these friends came along and they said to Job, you know, Job, the reason this happened to you is because you lack wisdom, because you didn't follow wisdom's playbook, because you went ahead and you did your own thing. And so somehow you sinned against God and that's why this happened to you. And Job continued to maintain That, no, I follow wisdom's playbook. I, 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 I made sure I did what God told me to do, and yet this still came upon me. So now as we get to Job chapter 38, God now responds to Job directly. And so God says to Job, starting at verse one, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now. He says to go to Job, gird up your loins. In other words, pull on your big boy pants. He says, gird up your loins like a man and I will instruct you and you instruct me. And then look at the first question he asked. He says in verse four, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who said it's measurements? since you know, or who stretched the line on it, or or, or what were its bases sunk, or or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now look at verse 8. This goes directly to Proverbs 8. Or who enclosed the sea with doors? This far, no further. When bursting forth, it went out from the womb. And when I made a cloud its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and I placed boundaries on it and set a bolt and doors, and I said, Thus far you shall come, but no farther. And here shall your proud waves stop. Brothers, God's wisdom demonstrates God's sovereignty, God's reign and rule over our lives. Now, here's why this is important. This is important because no matter what we go through, no matter what we encounter, we can know in our own lives that God is still sovereign. God is still in control. And God is still saying this far and no further. You see, the thing that Job didn't know, we, we have the benefit of knowing this from Job's story because we read it. But what Job didn't know is that there were some conversations going on behind the scenes. Because, you see, Satan had come to God and said to God, essentially, look, I, I see your, your servant Job there, because God's like, have you seen my servant Job? He, he follows my playbook. He, he, he's a man of righteousness. And, and Satan says, well, remove your covering from him. And let's see how righteous he is then. In other words, Job was being tested. and God, But God said this, okay, I'm going to remove this and I'm going to remove that. But he says, look, Satan this far and no further. Let me give you another example. In the book of Luke, we see towards the end of the book of Luke before Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus is meeting with his disciples and he's telling them about the fact that he's going to be betrayed and handed over to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Romans, and he's going to be crucified. And then all of a sudden, Peter says, Lord, no, not not you. This can't happen. And so, and then Jesus tells him, he says, look, what's going to happen is all of you all, he said, the shepherd's going to be struck and the sheep are going to be scattered. And and Peter says, no, Lord, we'll follow you everywhere, even unto death. And then Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Peter? Well, he actually, he doesn't call him Peter. Forgive me, y'all. He calls him by his given name. He says, Simon Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Brothers, some of us in this room, whether it's even going on now, may happen later in our lives, may have happened earlier in our lives. There are conversations that are going on that we don't know about, where Satan is coming before God and saying, I ask for permission to sift your servant as wheat. I ask for permission to mess with your servant's life. I ask for permission for you to remove your covering so that these calamities can happen in these situations. But praise God that he's still on the throne. Because Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to to sift you like wheat. But he said, but I have prayed for you, Simon. So that when you turn around, you can come back and strengthen your brothers. In other words, Jesus said, Simon, Satan wants to tear you up, even though you have been following me. But guess what? Because I am the son of God, I've interceded for you to say this far and no further. Simon, I'm not going to lose you. No matter what you go through, I've got you. Because I am God. So brothers, the good news for us today is that even when we follow God's playbook and yet calamity comes into our lives, we can still trust in God's wisdom. Because God's wisdom existed before life. God's wisdom helped create life. And God's wisdom reveals the sovereignty of God in life. It puts boundaries on what happens to us to say this far and no further. So even if we don't understand what's going on in our lives, even if we don't know, God, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my family? Why is this happening to my friends? God says, look, there's some things you don't know. There are conversations that are happening that you're not aware of. But I want to let you know that I'm interceding for you and I'm still on the throne. So we'll go this far and no further. So brothers, as we finish out our time, let me just leave us with a few practical thoughts here on how to fear God in light of his wisdom. Here's the first practical piece. If we want to fear God in light of his wisdom, number one, we need to listen to and apply God's wisdom in our lives. Go back with me to Proverbs 8, verse 32. Now, verse 32, Solomon says, Now, therefore, O sons, speaking in the voice of wisdom, now, therefore, O sons, listen to me. For blessed are they who keep my ways. Heed instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates and waiting at my doorposts. Brothers, the first thing we need to do is adopt a posture of listening. Listening. What voices are we listening to? What voices are we hearing from? Is it CNN or Fox or MSNBC or One News Network or or, or some of the other things? What voices are we listening to? Is it BET? Is it it MTV? Is it ESPN? What, What voices are we listening to? Wisdom says, listen to me. Listen to me but not just listen, but apply. We need to have a posture of learning and applying God's ways in our lives. And this is a posture that we need to take for our entire life. We never stop listening. We never stop applying. We never stop growing. If you think you've gotten there, then you're in trouble because there's still so much further for us to go. So that's the first thing. Listen to and apply God's wisdom to our life. Second thing, remember that the outcome of God's wisdom is life and God's favor. Again, back to verses 35 and 36. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me injures himself. And all those who hate me love death. We need to remember, even during the hard times, during the difficult times, that ultimately the outcome of God's wisdom is life and God's favor. When it doesn't seem to be going right, remember that the outcome is God's life and God's favor. When you're going through tough times, remember that the outcome of wisdom is God's life and God's favor. And this is especially important during times of challenge and trouble in our lives. How many of you all know that you will have times of challenge and trouble and calamity in your life? Amen. If you haven't had it, just keep living. It's coming your way. But here's the good news. The good news is that wisdom is available to all of us, even during times of trouble and calamity. So we need to seek God's wisdom, especially during those times of challenge and trouble. In the book of James in the New Testament, in chapter one, James says this. He says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And that endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be complete, perfect, and complete, lacking in nothing. But then he says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You. When you're going through tough times, not only remember that the outcome is God's wisdom. But also seek God's wisdom. God, what's going on? God will reveal to you that which you need to know in those times of trouble, in those times of testing, in those times of calamity, so you can say, oh, okay, now I see what God is doing in my life. But ask and do not doubt. And then a final thought. Not only should we listen to and apply God's wisdom, not only should we remember that the outcome of God's wisdom is life in God's favor, not only should we seek God's wisdom and faith especially during our times of challenge and trouble. Well, here's the last thing, and I alluded to this earlier. We need to continue, continue to get to know the God of wisdom. I'm going to cheat here just a little bit, and Dr. Montoya talked about this earlier. Proverbs 9:10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Brothers, when you see that word there, beginning of wisdom, Beginning doesn't mean that it's just the first thing and then you move on from it. But essentially what it's saying is the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is something that you maintain throughout your life. The fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins, where wisdom continues to be built upon and it's gonna be there at the end. And so it is important for us to be able to fear The Lord. And notice that fear and knowledge here are paired together. So to fear God, right? We heard earlier from Dr. Montoya what it means to fear God, means that we get to know God and we get to know God's ways. And that requires us regularly and continuously spending time with God. I encourage you to read those passages and exegesis that I have in the notes there because it's an amazing example of how you see Moses as well as Joshua, spending time with God, Brothers, I know we're at the end of our time, so let me just leave you with this last thought. We're seeing here in Proverbs 8, wisdom personified, but we know as we get into the New Testament that God's wisdom today is found in Christ. In Colossians 2, it lets us know that it is in Christ that all the wisdom of God resides. And so when we think about wisdom, we need to think about Christ, because it says that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So therefore, if we think about this, God's wisdom is found in Christ. And why did Christ come? Well, Christ said in John 10, 10, the enemy, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But he said, I came that you might have life. Wisdom is found in Christ, and wisdom is life. Wisdom is our guide to life. So Christ becomes our guide to having an abundant life. So therefore, to continuously get to know the God of wisdom is to continuously get to know and become like Christ. Brothers, at the end of the day, we should fear the Lord for his wisdom because his wisdom is our guide to life. And his wisdom is found in his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for these brothers and just for this time that we've had together this morning. We just pray that you would help us to take your word and allow it to ruminate in our hearts, Father, and to allow us to put it into practice in our lives so that, Lord, we can gain the wisdom that you offer to us freely and abundantly. and We can experience the life that you've called us to live. We thank you and praise you and give you glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brothers.